Well, Northside family, it's good to see you and everybody live streaming in. Can we welcome our dads in this room today and just celebrate them for a moment? On Father's Day, uh, <laughs> you know, the reputation at churches a lot of times uh, with fathers are people don't want to go to church on Father's Day because the preacher's just going to beat up the dad and then tell you to go home and do better. And you're like, hey, thanks a lot, you know. Uh, but what we find in the scriptures is that, that God knows that everybody in this room is broken, that all of us carry our own baggage, that all of us aren't measuring up. And maybe if you're a dad in this room, uh, you know, you're going, man, you already have a list in your mind of areas that you want to do better and all this other stuff. But we just want to pause for a moment and today we're going to look and reflect in Exodus, the book about how God is going to tell us who he is and how much he loves us. And that really, especially for you dads in this room, sometimes we put unnecessary pressure on ourselves to live up to an expectation that God's not even putting on you. That God is saying, I just want you to be loved by me. And as you allow me to love you, you will become the man that I've called you to be. And God wants us to celebrate him more than be worried about our performance and if God will love us from that. That's why today we're doing this celebration for everybody. Go, hey, after service, stick around. Dads, you don't even need to cook. Just go out to the patio, right? And for you and the family, some of you forgot to even make reservations today for your dads to celebrate them. We got you covered, all right? And uh, this weekend, We've even upped the game for you dads. You know, hamburgers and hot dogs are free for everybody, uh, but we do have the bacon station out on the patio. But along with that, we went and ordered like 2,000 IBC root beers, all right? And it's just for the dads in the house, all right? So kick back, man, and relax today. Uh, and this is what I'm excited about is we're in our road trip series as we're looking at the book of Exodus. We're gonna find today that God wants us to know who he is. Oftentimes for us, like Sam said, you might've grown up with a dad who knew him him, who followed him. Here's the thing, no dad is perfect, or maybe you didn't have a great experience with the dad. And so this idea of Father's Day, you're not really excited about uh, because you have a lot of hurt, you have a lot of regret uh, from your past. And God wants to use that to say, I want to redeem all of that because I am your heavenly father. And I'm the one who can lead you forward through the midst of your pain. Or maybe some dad let you down. He's going, no, I can be able to move that forward. This week, God, I'm praying for his mercy and grace as I begin my steady break. Uh, tonight, me and my, my family, we're going to head to Florida. Uh, and for the first time, I'm going to take all three of my kids uh, to the beach. And so pray for me, all right? They go seven, three, and one, right? And now, on, and on paper, it always sounds good until you get there. You know, you're like, this is going to be awesome. And they're going to be so appreciative, you know. And then they're throwing sand in each other's eyes. And then you go, why did we ever come? And, uh, and I remember actually when I was four years old, I was talking to my dad about it yesterday morning. And uh, we were talking about it. He goes, hey, you remember when we went to Florida for the first time as a family? And I'm like, yes, I do. I remember. He's like, you remember when you ruined that trip for us? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. I did. I when I was four years old, I, I, I ruined my family trip there because this is why, you know, back in 85, man, you know, my family, my dad's in ministry, and we're just, you know, rubbing some nickels together to get down to Florida. So we drive down there. You got to stay at a hotel. You know, that costs money. You know, and we're peanut butter and jellying it to the beach every day and all this other stuff. And I remember the first day I got down there, you know, they had invested all this money to get down there. The first thing I say, we get outside. First thing I say is this, it's too what? It's too hot. They're like, you're going to like that sunburn, son. You know, I don't care what you think. And I remember, just, and then this is what I did the whole week. Literally, I just laid underneath my mom's lawn chair in the shade the whole week. And dad goes, you remember that? I'm like, 
Yes, I do. And I was waiting for him to go, you owe me money, son. You know, no, you know, no. I was waiting for that moment. But he goes, man, you remember that? And this is the line he used. He goes, if I would have known that, we would have just stayed in Illinois and gone to a pond, right? You know, and just saved a bunch of money. And I remember him saying that phrase, if I would have known that, it would have changed everything. There's a technical term in the movies and in every story that you see, there's a phrase called an inciting incident that every movie possesses. Because every movie is built on this one incident that changes everything. Think about it since it's Father's Day weekend, I thought about one of the most manly movies that I watched growing up, and it is, it is the best Rocky film. It's Rocky Four, right? And if you don't agree, you can take that up with the Lord. But yeah, and, and so... <laughs> And I remember watching Rocky IV for the first time. And the inciting incident in Rocky IV is this. Everything in Rocky IV starts out great. You know, Rocky, Balboa, and Apollo Creed, they're best friends. Everything's good. And then this moment changes the game in the movie. Anybody remember what happens? Apollo dies. And from that moment on, everything changed in the movie. Matter of fact, Creed I and Creed II is built off of Rocky IV. Now Apollo's son, Creed, fights Ivan Drago's son in the latest one. The story keeps going on, and the story goes on because of this incident that happens. And in the book of Exodus, sometimes it's hard to understand God, and sometimes it's hard to understand the Bible. And so I just want us today, maybe you're not a Christian, maybe you've never been to church in a while, or maybe you have been a believer. I want us to remind ourselves of who the Father is. Because if we don't understand who God is, we won't understand the story of God. And here's the story of the entire Bible is that God wants us to know him so that we can be set free. This is the entire story. If I could boil it down into one sentence, this is it. Because the way that the Bible starts is God created everything good. Everything started good. And then there was this inciting incident where sin came into the picture and it changed everything, didn't it? It changed the way that we interact with God. It changed the way that we interact with each other. It changed the way that you view yourself. A lot of you today, not just dads in this room, but you come in this place and you are beating yourself up. And you're thinking, if I can just do better, be better, then life's going to get better. And you've been saying that for the last 15 years and you go, one day it's going to click. Can I just going to let you know today, it'll never click. It'll never click. What will click is when you step into the story of God and you let him begin to right all of the wrongs in your life so that you can live a new life. See, this is the true message of Father's Day, that we have a father who sees us in our brokenness and loves us and comes after us. And the rest of the Bible is about God calling his people out to follow him, God calling his church, sending Jesus, sending you and I to begin this relationship with him so that everything can change. This is why we're walking through the book of Exodus. And today we're going to cover nine chapters. I'm not going to cover, we're going to do a 30,000 foot view because in these nine chapters, you will see the entire story of the Bible. You will see this joy that God has to say in the midst of Israel's brokenness, I am the father who is coming after you. Matter of fact, if you want to be a good dad, it's not about how good you are. It's about how good our heavenly father is and allowing him to fill you with his presence through Christ and living out his ways. I love my dad. I'm wanting to be a great dad, but the better I am at admitting that I have faults, the better I can be a dad like my heavenly father. 
And God is saying, I'm inviting you into that. Matter of fact, this is why we see the story of Moses in these chapters, because God takes a broken man and he says, I want to send you back to Egypt. And if you know anything, if you've been with this past couple of weeks, we've been talking about Moses, about how he was a broken man and he runs away from his past. Except here's the thing, you and I, we will never outrun our past. God is always with us. And he's going, I'm wanting to set you free from that. And we've been looking at how God is working in the life of Moses, like he wants to work in your life. Except here's the day that we're going to look at this. God is sending Moses back to set his people free. Isn't it crazy the stuff that God wants to call you and I into? See, this is what you and I need to know. Our Heavenly Father doesn't just call us to be good. He calls us to be men and women of him. He's going, I just don't need you to be obedient. I need you to know me, to follow my ways, and to step in to my story. Except here's the thing I love about God. God says, I want you to follow me. And then you say stuff like this. Yeah, but who am I going to marry? Follow me. Yeah, but God, how much am I going to make? Follow me. God, where am I going to live? Follow me. And you're like, well, I'm going to need this in writing, God. Like, you're going to need to give me what's your five-year plan for my life. And you know what God's five-year plan is for your life? follow me. He's going, I want you to follow. And, I, and this is what happens in the life of Moses. This is the beauty of you and I stepping into God's story is we have no idea what he wants to not just do in our life, but to do in the lives around us. See, this is the adventure. This is the road trip that God is calling you and I into. Moses begins to step into this. He goes, okay, I know I've messed up, but God, you're wanting to redeem me. And he's saying, Moses, I want to send you back to Egypt to set my people free, the Israelites, so that they can follow me, so that they can worship me. And so Moses begins this trip back. And you know how tough it is for us to face our past, isn't it? When Moses makes his way back to Egypt, I can only imagine that when he actually killed a guy, that's why he was running away from his past. And I can only imagine when he was walking back to Egypt that he walked back by the place where he buried that dude. See, it's painful for you and I to unpack our past, isn't it? But God is going, I want you to unpack your past, not because you know how to do it, but because I want to free you from that past. And I want to lead you into something new. And so God says, I want you to go to Pharaoh and I want you to go and tell him to let my people go. Moses takes that step of courage. He begins to follow God into the unknown. All he knows is God is saying to follow me and he's beginning to follow him. And so in Exodus chapter five, Moses and his brother Aaron, they go to Pharaoh and listen what they said. He said, afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and they said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the desert. God sees the oppression of his people, the Israelites, and he's going, I want to lead them out. See, this is who our heavenly father is. He is a God of justice. He is a God of mercy. And he's saying, I want to lead these people out who are in slavery. And you know what Pharaoh's answer is to Moses? No, not today. Literally, this is what he tells them. Pharaoh says this, who is the Lord? Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord, and so I will not let Israel go. You know, it's fascinating about Pharaoh here. A lot of times we think of Pharaoh as this big bad dude, and we go, we have nothing in common with that guy. Pharaoh's over here. We're over here. We're these good people. He's that bad dude. But did you know this morning you woke up and you answered that question that Pharaoh asked today? You answered the question, who is the Lord that you should obey him? The only question is this, who is the Lord that you're obeying today? 
Every morning, every day, you and I, we wake up and we answer that question, who am I obeying? Who am I following? What is my life about? Pharaoh says, who is the Lord that I should obey him? We say it this way. When somebody comes into our life and tries to tell us what to do, we say this. You're not the what? You're not the boss of me. You don't know me, right? You're not my, you don't, you're not my boss. You don't know that. And that's what Pharaoh was saying. He's going, who's the Lord? He's not the boss of me. You don't oversee me. And can we be honest? None of us like authority. Right? None of us like to be under this stuff. None of us like to follow. This is why sometimes we have this tension with Jesus where we might believe in him. We might believe in the grace that he's given us. But every day, man, it is a struggle because oftentimes we don't want anybody to tell us what to do. And here's what's fascinating about Moses. Moses goes to Pharaoh. He does exactly what the Lord tells him to do. And guess what happens? His life actually gets worse. Anybody ever been there? Man, God whispers something to you in your heart. Go talk to them. Go do this. Go serve them. And you do. And then things actually get worse in your life. And you take it up with God. You're going, God, I thought you were telling me to do that. I did what you say. Why is my life worse? Matter of fact, this is what happens. Pharaoh gets so mad that Moses told him to do that, that he goes, you know what? And the Israelites were the slaves there for the, for the Egyptians. And he said, here's the deal. We used to bring you straw to make bricks for us. Now you guys are going to have to go get your own straw. And you're going to have to produce as many bricks as you had before. Congratulations. And what do we do in those moments, right? When you're mad with your father, this is what you do. You go complain to him, don't you? This is why the Bible is so good. Listen to Moses' complaints because we've complained to God. In chapter 5, verse 22, listen what Moses says. It says, Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, why have you brought trouble upon this people? Is that why you sent me? I was perfectly content being a shepherd, unknown, out in the desert. I had my little life over here. It was good. Is this why you brought me out? And he says, ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble upon this people and you have not rescued your people at all. This is where I, I found in scripture, this is the first eye roll recorded in scripture, right? God. Right? You see how many times this is your fault. These are your people. You haven't rescued. This is all about you, God. And this is what Moses knows. He doesn't know his heavenly father. He doesn't know what God is up to. God is saying, man, I want to redeem my people. I want to lead my people out. Moses, I want to work through you. I know life is getting hard, but I want you to continue to step into what I have for you. See, here's the problem with Moses. Moses doesn't understand who God is. Pharaoh doesn't understand who God is. And oftentimes you and I, we forget who our heavenly father is. See, this is the beauty of scripture. Chapter six, verse six through seven, Moses finds out who God is. Because here's the deal, God knows this. We can't obey someone that we don't know. And God's not just calling you to obey him. God wants you to know him. God wants you to live life with him. And so listen what it says in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 through 7. God tells Moses who he is, and he tells us who he is. He says, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. 
And I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know who, know that I am the Lord. That's he's going, I want you to know who I am. That I am the Lord God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. God is saying, I want you to know I'm the one who frees you. I'm the one who will lead you. I'm the one who will redeem your life. And I want you to know me. I had a buddy tell me recently, he said, you know what's funny about Father's Day? He said, what, what kind of sets Father's Day apart from everything else is he says this. He says at Father's Day, he goes, this is what fathers say. Hey, why don't you come over to my house and I'll feed you so you can celebrate me. He goes, it's weird, man. He goes, everything else. Goes, hey, we're going to take mom out. We're going to do this stuff. We're going to do this. And dads are like, why don't you come over? I'm going to cook. I'm going to do all the work so then you can celebrate me. And actually, for some of you, you called your dad today and you go, hey, what are we having for lunch? Well, we're having leftovers. Sorry, I'm busy, right? You know, this afternoon. I would really, I'll send you a card, dad. Unless they go, we're having a T-bone. You're like, then I'm there, pops. I'm there. I love you. Thank you. And too often times, this is what happens at Father's Day. Dependent upon the love of the father, we'll love back. And see, here's the thing that God is saying to the Israelites and to Moses is he's saying, I'm the one who frees you. I'm the one who's inviting you to my table. Not only am I inviting you to my table, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to redeem you. You don't need to make yourself. You just simply need to step into this relationship with me. And what we find after this is Moses is going to be called to go back to Pharaoh. Actually, he has to go back 10 times. And if you know anything about the plagues, God is saying, I'm going to bring these plagues on Pharaoh, but I'm doing this because I want him to know me. Oftentimes, this is what happens in our lives. If we don't step into this relationship with God and we don't begin to know him and live with him, we face a bunch of consequences, don't we? Maybe for you today, you're here because you're going, you know what, you've hit that breaking point in your life and you say stuff like this, boy, four years ago, five years ago, I wish I would have done this different. This last relationship, I wish I would have done this different because I went down this road and now I have all this other baggage and all these things going on in my life. And God is going, man, I just want you to follow me. And God says, Moses, you got to go back to Pharaoh and you got to confront him because I need him to let my people go. Here's what we need to know about these plagues, though. These plagues actually represent the patience of God. That sounds kind of weird, though, doesn't it? Because when we go, man, the plagues in the scripture, I'm going to talk about them real quick. What's going to happen is this. We're going to see this and you're going to go, boy, that doesn't sound very patient. But did you realize God was like the first Thanos, right? If anybody remembers from Avengers, right? God could have walked into Egypt and just gone, he gone, right? You know, and it's just all over and just people just start turning into ashes, right? And blowing in the wind. And you go, what's happening? And that's not what God does. God goes, Moses, I want you to go confront because I want my people to be brought out. And I want Pharaoh to know that I'm God. He's not God. And that his life is meant to honor me. This is why the first plague that comes when you look in scripture, chapter seven, is this. God turns the Nile into blood. Now here is the deal with the Nile. Everybody in Egypt knew that the Nile brought all of the life it brought all this crop in. It brought all the water in. And everybody knew the Nile represented life and life represented the Nile. Matter of fact, they would pray to the God. And this is crazy, isn't it? The Egyptians would pray to this goddess called Happy. And this was the goddess that represented. I got a picture of it. And they would worship this God of the Nile. This was the goddess Happy. Isn't it funny that over thousands of years ago, people were always trying to be happy? 
Their heart is content. We're going, man, we want happiness. We want joy in our life. And so they would worship this God happy. And what happens is God turns the Nile into blood and it kills all the fish. Kills all the fish. Takes away all of life. And what God was trying to tell Pharaoh is this. Dude, there's no life outside of me. This is why when Jesus comes, he says this. I am the way, the truth, and the what? The life. There's life nowhere else, man. There's life in me. Isn't it interesting that no kid ever moves when you say the number one? <laughs> For generations. One. And they're like, are you talking? Did you say something, right? You're like, yes, I did. One. And nobody ever moves. Isn't that weird? And here it is, Moses is going, hey man, I'm telling you, let my people go or it's gonna get bad for you, Pharaoh. It's gonna get real bad. Just let, people, let these people go, let them, you're oppressing them. God is a God of justice, but he's a God of patience. Matter of fact, for you here today and for me, this is what we need to know about our heavenly father. Listen to what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter three about who God is. He says, he is patient with you. He's patient with you. And he doesn't want anyone to perish, but he wants everyone to come to repentance. He's wanting Pharaoh to come to repentance. He's wanting you and I to come to repentance. It simply means this, that we would turn and follow him. He's going, man, Pharaoh, this is why I'm doing this. And then the second plague he brings is this. He brings frogs into the land, which sounds really weird. You're like, what God would bring frogs? God, I know you're creative, but you make it rain frogs everywhere. Well, here was why. Because the Egyptians worshiped this goddess called Heket. Now look at the, the statue of the God of Heket. Look what the head is. It's a frog. The reason why God brought frog was this. When all the frogs came into the land, it ruined everybody's business. And the reason why the Egyptians would, would worship this goddess Heket was this. They would worship basically money and commerce and business. And God is telling Pharaoh, listen, your money can't save you. Only I can save you. Kind of a good rule for us today, isn't it? Your career can't save you. Your career can't make you. God is going, let me save you from that. Listen to what it says in chapter 8, verse 15. After the frogs came in, Pharaoh asked Moses to pray. Would you tell God to quit making it rain frogs? And he did. But then it says this in verse 15. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and would not listen to Moses and Aaron just as the Lord had said. You ever known someone that man they lived however they wanted until they got caught and then when they got caught they went oh God if you would only get me out of this right and then once he does they go back to doing their own thing. Now I know none of us in this room have done this right we are all very mature Christians here today right and none of us are guilty of this. But this is what we do, isn't it? God, I'll trust you. And then once the relief comes in and we kind of get out of the jam, we go back to doing our own things in our own ways. And this is exactly what Pharaoh does. So God brings gnats and he fills the land with gnats. And we know what that looks like here in Southern Indiana, except it's mosquitoes, right? You try to eat on your back deck. You're like, how's your steak? Uh, you know, you're just like slapping yourself, you know, until you like just spray all these chemicals in your air and foggers everywhere. It's like, you can't enjoy any meal outside. And God brings all the gnats. And you know why he brought the gnats? Is because the Egyptians worshiped their comfort. 
If you look back at any movie that featured the Egyptians, they're always waving these palm branches over each other and feeding grapes to one another. Listen, men, we'll give you free bacon. We're not feeding you grapes, all right? You know what I'm saying? Happy Father's Day, feed yourself, all right? You know, feed your own grapes. But this is God is saying, no, no, no. Don't think that you can bring your own comfort. I am the God of comfort. I'm the only one that can comfort you. Then he brings flies in and it destroys everything. And then God goes on and he kills all of the cattle, all of Pharaoh's cattle. He kills it and he's going, Pharaoh, listen to me, man. You need to follow me. And he doesn't. And so he brings boils on all the men and the beast in the land. He still doesn't turn. And then he brings hail and thunder and lightning and he destroys all of the crops. There comes a point in time where you and I, we're reading this and we're going, Pharaoh, just give it up, man. Stop with this. See, I think you and I have a lot more in common with Pharaoh than we realize, don't we? Man, we've traveled down this road a lot more. God's going, man, I have another way for you to go, and we continue to go the wrong way. What's interesting is after the hail and the thunder and the lightning come, this is what Pharaoh says. He finally gets convicted, and he says, This time I have sinned, verse 27. And he says, the Lord is in the right and I and my people are in the wrong. But guess what? He doesn't do anything about it. See, there's a place where you and I can come to where we go, yep, I messed up. I messed up. But what are you going to do about it? I'll just figure it out. Well, didn't you just say you messed up? See, this is where God is saying, I want you to step into the story that I have for you. Pharaoh still wouldn't listen. Moses had to go back, listen, you got to free God's people. You got to let them go or it's going to get bad. So God sends in locusts, eats the rest of his crops, still nothing. And so finally God brings in what's called this three days of thick darkness. Imagine not being able to see anything. For some of you, you experienced that last night when you were at Target and you couldn't check out. I don't know if you heard about this, all of Target's registry, like you couldn't check out at Target, and America lost their mind last night. They didn't know who they were. You know, this thick darkness came over the land, you know. <laughs> what? I can't check out. <sighs> right? And this thick darkness comes over our land. For some of you, you go, it's not Target, but it's when your phone runs out of battery. Right? You just pull over and you just start weeping on the side of the road, you know. You're like, I don't know who I am, you know. Anyway, and this thick darkness comes in. And the reason why God brought this thick darkness was because the, the premier God that Pharaoh and the, Israel, and the Egyptians would worship was this God, Ray. It was the sun God. And they believed all the power and life came out of there. And God said, no, that's not where life comes from. Life is found in me. And this is the whole story of Scripture. Over and over again, people choosing not to follow God when God is saying, I am calling you out. And this is what we'll find after the story all throughout the rest of the Bible is every time you hear the word Egypt mentioned, it always represents sin after this story. And this is what God is telling them and what God is telling you and I today through this story is that sin, Egypt, never can deliver on its promises. See, this is the thing. We talk about Father's Day and we have this heavenly father who is after us. Well, scripture also says this about Satan, that he is the father of all lies. You have two fathers competing for your heart today. The question is, 
who are you going to celebrate as your Father's Day? You have this heavenly Father who wants to free you from the sin, from the Egypt that is in your life. And too often times we choose the wrong Father and we go after the Father of all lies. And God is saying, I want to free you from that. I want to lead you out of that. But here's the thing, Pharaoh won't let him go. And God is saying, I'm a God of justice. I'm also a God who judges. And so if you know about the 10th plague, it's called Passover. And God says, all right, I'm going to have to kill the firstborn of everybody in Egypt. You ever come to that point where you know you need to change, but you never do until the pain gets too great? And then once the pain is great enough, then the change comes. This is what happened with Pharaoh. I mean, these are lessons for us to learn. God brings what's called Passover. He brings the Passover death angel, and this angel goes throughout Egypt, and he kills all of the firstborn, all the firstborn sons of everybody. He kills Pharaoh's son. He kills the firstborn of all of the animals in the land. But here's the thing about Passover for God's people and for you and I. God is saying that I am a God of protection. If you know anything about the Passover lamb, listen to what it says in Exodus chapter 11, verse 4 through 8. Moses says, this is what's about ready to happen. He says, Moses said, this is what the Lord says about midnight. I will go throughout Egypt and every firstborn son in Egypt will die. From the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the slave girl who is at her handmill and the firstborn of the cattle as well. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has ever been or ever will be again. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any man or animal and then and this is what he says then you will know do you hear much hear how much God wants you to know him then you will know that the Lord makes distinction between Egypt and Israel and all these officials of yours will come to me bowing down before me and saying go you and all the people who follow you and after that I will leave then Moses hot with anger left Pharaoh He's going, listen, if you're not going to follow God, this disaster, this judgment is coming for you. And this is what happens. Pharaoh doesn't let him go. So he loses his son. Loses his son. Except here's the deal. God knows the Israelites are imperfect people as well. And so he says, here's the deal. You need to take a sacrificial lamb And you need to put the blood of the lamb over the doorpost of your house. So when the death angel passes by, it will see the blood over your house. And it will see that God is your protector and it won't kill anybody in your house. See, this is why John chapter 1 verse 29, when Jesus shows up on the scene, John the Baptist says this. Look, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. See, this whole story that is in this narrative of of Exodus is God leading his people out, and it also points on how Christ is wanting to lead you and I out of our slavery to sin, out of it. You can't save yourself. God is saying, which father are you going to worship today? Are you going to worship the father of all lies, or are you going to worship your heavenly father who has come to set you free? See, this is the beauty of what God is saying. And what God is saying to you and I today is this. He's saying, on Father's Day, the feast is on me. 
I want you to come to my house. I want you to worship me. I want you to sit with me. And I have provided the way for you out of sin. This isn't about earning your way to God. This isn't about doing enough good things. This is about the one who has come to set us free. See, this is the inciting incident in Scripture that God is saying, I have set the one to save you, to make you new. But here's what happens as the Israelites leave. They leave and they're set free and they think that's it. See, our problem is sometimes this. We think just because we accept Jesus as our Savior that all of life is going to be okay, isn't it? Anybody ever get frustrated with God after that? Right? You're like, God, man, I, I gave you my life. Why is my life tough? Why is this going on? Listen what happens right after that. Exodus chapter 14, verse 10. It says, as Pharaoh approached them, and here's what happened. Pharaoh came to his senses after he let God's people go. And he goes, wait a second, I lost all my slave labor. Can't make any more bricks. And here's what happens. He goes after them and the Israelites are now stuck between the Red Sea and Pharaoh and his army. Talk about between a rock and a hard place. Here they are stuck in the desert. And it says, as Pharaoh approached the Israelites, they looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. And they were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. See, it's not just about Jesus saving us and leading us out of our sin. It's that we need to continue to follow him. We need to continue to say, yo, you're the one who saved me. I'm following you. My life is for you. Everything that I am is about you. And then this is the beauty, the parting of the Red Sea, that God will make a way when there's no way that we can create it on our own. See, God is about a God who's making a way to save us when we can't see it. See, what the parting of the Red Sea is all about is this on this Father's Day. It is about God's provision for you and I. Today, for some of you, you don't know how you're going to get out of the jam that you find yourself in. You're going, I'm stuck. I've been trying this way. I've been doing this stuff, and nothing seems to be changing. Listen what God tells the Israelites. I find this fascinating. They cry out to him, and in Exodus chapter 14, 15, and 16, listen what they say. God tells them, he says, tell the Israelites, Moses, tell them to move on. Can you imagine what Moses is processing? He's like, where? Right? We got water over here, the Egyptians over here. Where are we moving on to? God, move on. Move on. Raise your staff and stretch your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Couldn't God just bring them a boat, right? Like sometimes don't we pray for that? God, save me. And he's like, step into what I have. Save me any other way, God. You know, do anything else. And he's like, no, now I want you to move on. I want you to move on to what I have. See, actually this whole idea, this is why we're calling it Baptism Weekend, is because God is saying, I'm parting the waters, but you've got to step into what I have for you. You imagine what that scene looked like, seeing the water begin to part and God making a way when there was no way to move forward. God is saying on this Father's Day, man, I want you to move on. I want you to move on from your past because Christ has paid for it. Yeah, but what about my future? I want you to move on beyond the fear of your future. And I want you to step into what I have for you. This is where actually baptism gets its roots. Baptism reflects back about how God delivered a way for the Israelites to move 
on from their past to say, God, I don't, I'm not going to stay here. I don't know how to where I can go. I don't know how I can move forward, but I need to move. I want you to move on. For some of you today, you need to begin to move on. Not trying to be a better person, not because you and I can, but God is saying, I want you to move on from living the way that you used to live. I want you to move on in a new direction, full of the Holy Spirit in the way of Jesus, because I've come to set you free. But what father are you worshiping today on Father's Day? You worship in the father of all lies, the father of Egypt. Or are you following our heavenly father who has come to set you free, who has brought Christ in and who is saying, I want you to move on to what I have. Did you know that God has more for you than you have for yourself? Do you know that? God has more for you than you have for yourself. You feel like you got to create your life. You got to plan everything. You got to do all this stuff. God goes, no, 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 no. I just want you to step in to what I have for you. Today, for some of you, you need to begin to make that step. You need to begin to go, no, God, I, I need to begin to worship you. Right now, our volunteers are going to go back. They're going to get ready to serve communion. And we're going to take communion as a church today. And we do this every week. If you're a guest here or, or new, haven't been here in a while, what we do is this. We take the bread and the juice because we remember this Passover meal. And what we do is when we take communion, we declare with this bread and the juice that, man, Jesus, you are the one who has set me free. God, you are the one who has come after me. Just like Moses, you and I, we were hiding out in our sin, man. We were running from our past. We were hoping nobody would notice us. We were hoping nobody would know what we did. And God goes, I know what you've done. I know what's going on in your heart. And I've come to set you free. The same question that Moses was asked by Pharaoh, we have to ask ourselves today, who is the Lord that I should obey him? And the Lord is patient with you and he loves you. And he sent Jesus to save and to protect you. And he's part of the waters and he's made a way for you and I to move forward. It's not about your intellect and my intellect. It's about the one who's made us and he's loving us and he's leading us forward. Who are you obeying today? See, when we take this meal, when we take the bread and the juice, we declare, Jesus, this and you are the one I'm following today. I'm letting go of my past and I am moving on. In a moment, we're going to take the bread and the juice. They're going to pass it. I want you to hold on to it. We're going to take it together. And then we're going to stand and we're going to sing a song. And for some of you today, if you've not been baptized, I want to invite you during that song just to come down by the steps over here. I know it looked a little funky out there. We've got a pool out on the patio. We've had several people this weekend say, it's time to move on. It's time. I'm ready for a new life. Today, God is inviting you to move on, not by your ability, but by his. Let me pray. Then they'll pass out the bread and the juice, and we'll wait, we'll hold it, and we'll take it together. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you 
that all of scripture, God, is about you. And on this Father's Day, more than the pain that we experience from the past, we're mindful of who we need to become as dads in this room. God, we think about you. We think about how you remembered us, your creation, and you long to make us your sons and daughters. And so we declare with this meal, with this Passover meal, the bread and the juice, that we declare that you are our Savior, that you sent Jesus. And so we don't have to try to save ourselves, but Jesus, we simply let you save us from our past. And Father, right now we pray for those in this room who know it's time to move on. They know it's time to step into what you have for them. God, would you give them courage to step into your story today? Help us to be a church that would walk alongside one another. But Jesus, we worship you in this moment for setting us free with this bread and the juice. It's in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen.